Hello and welcome. Today I want to resume uh, one of our podcasts. In fact, I want to begin by making a little bit of an apology because the last uh, podcast I did called Requiem for the Republicans ended up kind of being truncated. Actually, it was only 11 minutes long because for some reason, uh, not all of it recorded. And the problem was I didn't figure that out until I was on my way to Israel and didn't have uh, the opportunity to make the change. So I pray that you forgive me. And what I've done is I'm basically going to go back and and re-record some of what I was talking about, but also expanded it quite a bit um, in light of how things are beginning to progress. And uh, so I hope you'll bear with me. But uh, first of all, I'd just like to begin by reading a, uh, a passage from Proverbs 22, verses 3 and 4. It's one that I'm sure many of you have heard many times and are very familiar with. But uh, the wonderful thing about Word of God is I never get tired of it. it. Its truth is always compelling each time I read it. But in this, Solomon made the statement, he said, A prudent man sees danger and he takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. And this really struck me again as I was reading it the other day in my daily reading that we're living in such an age where it's so apparent that uh, the <laughs> the lug nuts have been remo- removed from the wheels and the tires are beginning to fall off. And uh, we're at such a critical moment in this history where literally the civilization as we know it, the culture we know it, could actually crash and burn. And most people in this country seem to be pretty much uh, clueless. Um, they just have, I think, wearied and tired. And on one hand, they're so caught up in just living their life and doing what they want, but also um, have become weary and feel like, what can I do? It's out of control. Uh, And I think especially in light of the uh, last midterm elections, because there were many conservative Christians who felt like there was a chance to kind of bring a kind of some sanity into the the way the country has been run. And we're kind of disappointed. And even up until recently, we find that what the Democrats are doing is they hold on to their last uh, periods of control of the House of Representatives, that they are doing everything they can to put in place a a budget that everybody will have to live with for the next year, Uh, another $1.7 trillion uh, spending bill that just adds to the problems that we face as a country. I mean, it's just going to drive inflation. It's going to continue to drive unemployment, which is very high. I mean, uh, we find out now that the Biden administration uh, George, uh, uh, Joe Biden just outright lied when he said the second quarter produced 1 million jobs. Now the data come out, and it was only 10,000. And, of course, the, no, nobody in the media called them on it at the time. But nonetheless, that's the kind of thing we live in. But I think part of also the, the caution, I would say, is that going into uh, these political dynamics many times that there's a lack of humility and and we we trust in polls we trust in the words of those who are cheering us on but um, one of the things the Bible says is we shouldn't trust in uncertain riches and sadly you know when we begin to boast of being able to accomplish things or gain things before we really have them in their hands you know you're counting your eggs before they're hatched um, you, you're really in trouble you know or counting your chicks before they're they've hatched, I think is the correct metaphor. And we hear people saying, well, we'll just wait till 2024, the Republicans will take control. And we're looking at it as if it's only about politics. Um, 
And I think it's 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 true as you and I look at the dynamics. I think I, I just read something today where somebody said we're living in a culture that no longer is just promoting ideas and agendas that are opposite of our Christian worldview. Unfortunately, they are now antagonistic. So we find ourselves in this situation where first they were criticizing us and then they were seeking to marginalize us and now they're trying to ostracize us uh, from no longer being able to participate in the process. And once they accomplish that, then they'll begin to eliminate us altogether. So basically, I think it, it it's in a way that's kind of like going back and saying, let's kind of do a postmortem on what happened and how did we get here. And I want to do that not only from a spiritual point of view, particularly a spiritual point of view, but also from a political point of view. I think, for example, when we look back on 2016, when uh, to everyone's amazement, Trump became president, even he was shocked that he won the election. Uh, one writer, Selena Zito, put in the, wrote in the Washington Examiner, she said the following, It was never about Trump, but mostly about the conservative populist movement to let people know they weren't going anywhere. In other words, a lot of people voted for Trump, not because they were crazy about Trump, but they were so sick and tired of the direction things were going, and so they voted for the opposition. Uh, unfortunately, um, <laughs> that... Trump didn't understand that. He thought it was about him. Uh, David Lane, who also writes a blog called The American Renewal, which I recommend you read, it says, the movement was a counterreaction to Barack Obama's snooty elitism over the eight years of his leadership and his loudish slight that conservatives cling to guns or religion. And not to be undone, Hillary Clinton poured fuel on the fire right before the 2016 election with her peremptory deplorable declaration. Uh, I'll add to that Dr. Scott H. Huffman, the executive director for the Center of Public Opinion and Policy Research at, at Winthrop University, he argued that in, in 2018, that polling showed that half of evangelicals would not describe President Trump as the paradigm of piety or virtue, but that his appeal came from being viewed as a bulwark against an increasingly hostile and autocratic secular state. In other words, Trump was simply the messenger in 2016. And I think that's one of the unfortunate things we see going on, because again, as David Lane added, he says, unfortunately for the former president, with the injustices contrived by the deep state, mega kingpins, and sectarian big government bureaucrats, and Republican in name only, we call them rhinos, Republican functionaries, we're talking about people like uh, Mitch McConnell in particular, he forgot what brought him to the dance. His vision of making America as a nation great again has been put on the sidelines while the mission and the message are now subordinate to his personal grievances and self-importance. I say this to you who are fans of Donald Trump. Um, I appreciate greatly what he accomplished when he was in office, and I sadly miss uh, his initiatives. But at the same time, I'm, I'm concerned that how he seems to be making it all about himself, that there's that narcissistic perspective or part of his personality that's growing and taking over. Again, uh, uh, one of the early writers, Zito, made the comment, he says, a lot of people stayed home last Tuesday talking about the 2022 uh, midterms because of Trump's decision to make the midterm election results all about him. 
Alternatively, we might point out that the FBI's raid on the former president's home on Monday, August 8th, was a strategic maneuver intended to put him front and center in the midterm elections. And so what Zito's asserting is that, and may be right, that uh, people voted not for Biden or for the Democrats. They voted against Trump because they're kind of... um, getting tired of his bombastic style. He doesn't seem to be able to control his impulses to speak out against every affront and offense, even attacking a fellow Republican, DeSantis, for reasons I almost like he was jealous that he had done so well in the Florida election. Well, Elaine goes on to say, unfortunately, the former president's penchant for settling political scores and his compulsion to keep the spotlight upon himself have both become threadbare and trite. In his classic, The Life of David, A.W. Pink comments, corrupt nature thirsts for retaliation and has a strong inclination that way, but grace should check it. Men think of it as a base thing to put up with wrongs and injuries, but this it is which gives a man victory over himself and the truest victory over his enemy when he forbears to revenge. When the soul is out of touch with God, when fellowship with him has been broken by giving way to the lusts of the flesh, the judgment is dulled and the imprudent conduct is sure to be the effect. So, you know, I mean, for those of you who see that Donald Trump is the great white hope, I'm I'm actually very concerned because I don't see a, a character that's been humbled and brought under control by the Holy Spirit, uh, that his desire for revenge and for settling the score is basically carnal, and we need to be careful that we're not buying into that. Now, the good news about the election was that the uh, <clears throat> Republicans did take the House, and they will be able to exert some budgetary controls, and the likelihood that there'll be 87,000 new IRS agents, which really has less to do with taxes and more about the government's intrusion into our lives and controlling our economy. If you followed some of my earlier uh, earlier podcasts about the digital uh, currency that's coming, this all is tied together in a plan to take away your freedoms and have greater control over your everyday life. Uh, Maybe there will be some checks in spending, but, you know, we have right now this ominous bill that's in front of the Congress and that they're trying to pass before the end of the year and before the Christmas break. It may be already done by the time this goes on the air, but basically the ominous bill is basically filled with all sorts of pork barrel stuff. They call them uh, earmarks. They're uh, promotion for all sorts of things like reproductive rights and, and uh, LGBTQ agenda, diversity stuff. It's just loaded with all sorts of unhealthy, bad stuff that's going to cost us a lot of money and really does nothing about infrastructure. It does nothing about the border. It does nothing about the the what's going on with the depletion of our military uh, resources and so forth. Um, but, you know... <laughs> The truth of the matter is that none of us know what the future is going to be. We only know that God controls the future. But here's the wild card in all of this, that even though God has a preset plan and it's going to come to pass, he gives us free will. 
Uh, A.W. Wildersmith referred to it as God's great gamble, that he gave to man a, a, a limited degree of personal sovereignty. The sovereign God has given you and me a little bit of sovereignty so that I can say yes or no to God, so that my choice to follow him is just that. It's a choice that he hasn't forced me to believe. And this is the thing that's really tough, because I was having this discussion with my staff the other day where I said, we often talk about, or the question that's often asked is, are we living in the last days? And it's interesting because it's, it needs to be qualified by what do we mean by the last days? When you talk about the, the end of this uh, period of history and, the, and uh, the coming of Christ, I believe we're living in the last days. I don't know uh, where we're at in that process, but it seems like we're in a hurry to get there. Uh, darkness is becoming stronger and more overwhelming. And one of the things that I have said for years, and I believe to be true still, is that as long as America is a vital uh, 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 nation in the world, as long as we are have kind of such hegemonic control over the economy and the military worldwide, the one world government can never come to pass. And that in that process for the Antichrist to rise to power, uh, there really has to be a diminishing of the United States of America. And I don't say that happily. I, I say that sadly, because I love our nation, and I love the, the freedoms and the liberty and the prosperity is brought to us, as I know you do. But the simple fact is, if that's part of God's plan, there has to be a diminishing of the United States as really the most powerful country in the history of the world. At the same time, it's maybe the last days in terms of coming into the uh, Christ's second coming. And as I have often said, if we're not in the last days, I don't know what they look like. But, is, but the question I have is, it is it the last days for America? You see, I realize that I'm living in my personal last days. I mean, I'm just turning 73 years of age and the Lord only knows I have a certain amount of time. If I live to be 93, as my mother did, or just 81 as my father did. I realized that I'm really at the end of my earthly journey, and I need to be looking at my life in terms of its final terminal point. Uh, so, you know, there's the last days of the world. There's also the last days of yours and my life. I may not live to see the second coming of Christ. My pastor passed away believing to the very end that he would live to see Christ return, and he didn't. I, I, I honor him for that passion because that was something he wanted to see more than anything else. But it didn't happen in his lifetime. He, at least he saw it after his death, and he was in the presence of the Lord, and I'm sure he's not regretting a single moment now. But here's the point, that when we talk about, are these the last days of America? Those are coming, and I, I can't help but think they're going to come, and I'm just wondering if we're not seeing that, because the way things are moving right now are, are so insane. It, it's, there's such a, a blind passion behind uh, the progressive movement in this country, and there's such a, a disconnection by most people in general. I would say that there's probably only 10 or 15 or maybe 30 percent of people who support this radical agenda that's being pushed forth, but the other 65 percent are just sitting on their thumbs just saying, I don't want to be involved, and I just want to make sure that I can go to the lake next weekend and whatever their dreams are, have that dream vacation. But they're not facing the reality that this whole thing could get crumbling down. Now, 
part of the problem is, is we live in a time when the politicians and the parties are driven more by personal ambition than they are even by ideologies. Uh, I love what Isaiah said about the leaders in his day. He says, your, your leaders are rebels and companions of thieves and chase after rewards. Uh, in other words, why do people become go into politics in the first place? It seems like it's such a horrible place to be. And part of the answer is, and I'm not saying there aren't some people that are truly there to serve because they love their country and they feel it's their God-given, uh, God-directed duty. But at the same time, I think that most people go into politics because they're uh, not very smart, they're not very gifted, not very talented, and they want to go into politics so they can enrich themselves. And that's what politics does in our country today. It makes people rich, and it makes them powerful, and it gives them status. I mean, I, I listen to some of the politicians, and I think to myself, these people, uh, I'm surprised they even have a high school degree. The things they say are so nonsensical and so uh, bizarre. And even as we see in cases like with, you know, Senator-elect uh, uh, Fetterman, or even Joe Biden, these are people who cognitively do not possess the capacity to carry the heavy burden of the roles that they're stepping into, and yet somehow, they manage to manage to find positions, and we know the answer is that basically their parties don't care whether or not they can think for themselves. They just want them to vote according to whatever whoever's truly leading those parties wants them to vote. So you know you see this split where you find the Democrats tend to be team players, but they also tend to be very amoral in their views. And there are some some exceptions I I, I would note, but amoral I mean that they don't care about whether something is right or wrong. It's just simply about winning. And Republicans, there are some good ones out there, and uh, I think there's some that I really respect, and I can't believe that they hang in there. But we find that so many of the levers of power are controlled by what we call rhinos, uh, Republicans in name only. They aren't conservative in their politics. They're not conservative in their economic views. They're not conservatives even in their, certainly in their moral and theological views. When you find that 41 a Republican congressman voted for the uh, uh, the uh, this marriage bill that was passed, both, uh, um, which is basically just promoting homosexual and, and transsexual relationships. Um, you just realize these people have no principle. And the same thing, yet 12 Republican senators vote for it as well. So these are not people who are doing what they're doing because they have a commitment to their constituents or anything else. They're people who just want to maintain their position. And so we look at the various antics that go on, and we find that many of these people are more headline seekers than they are men who are seeking truth. It was John Glubb in his in his uh, Fate of Nations, a classic work, who said basically, uh, this is the condition when people go into politics poor and they come out rich. He said that's the beginning of a that's a sign of a nation which is in rapid decline, and we are certainly in that place today. But there's a deeper and more disturbing concept that I think we need to think about, and it has more to do with uh, what really is at stake here, because we can focus on crummy leaders, but you got to realize that uh, corrupt leaders are the product of a corrupt population. These are people that get the popular vote. And even though we may complain about uh, suspicious and questionable things in the elections, the very fact that these guys get any votes at all tells me that people just don't really care about right and wrong or good and evil. In fact, Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 2.13, when he talked about God's judgment upon Judah, he said, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, 
broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Well, if you don't understand the the, the metaphor that he's using there, uh, in in the Middle East, you know, there isn't a lot of rain, generally speaking. And so people would dig these cisterns. They were underground caverns. They'd carve out of hard, solid rock. They'd create channels uh, where the rain would fall on the ground. And because the ground is is not porous, it's got so much clay that the water hits it and just runs off it. And in the desert, you know, it creates flash floods. Well, if you can channel that into into containers where you can save that water, you can actually have water year-round to not only drink and survive, but also to irrigate. And we find places like we visited recently, uh, ancient Arad, which is in the Canaanite desert, I mean, the the Negev desert. And my goodness, they figured out that if they could control the flow of water from 20 acres, they could create these large pools that could satisfy the water needs of the entire community for the entire year. So there's, you know, that's that brilliance. But the God says, what I've given to you are living springs. In other words, water that's coming up out of the water. In Jerusalem, they have the Gihon Spring, which fed the city of Jerusalem. Uh, I just crawled through Hezekiah's tunnel. You know, it's 150 feet uh, underground below solid rock. And it was a channel that was cut in uh, pure rock down to a, 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 a holding pond called the Pool of Siloam. And, you know, you get to walk through. It's about 1,500 feet long and pure darkness but the thing is that they were able to channel these waters but these were springs of living water this was fresh water clean water coming out of the ground cisterns would sit there and basically become stagnant water many times and a lot of times they bred disease and were unhealthy and basically what jeremiah is saying that here god has provided you with all of these blessings like we have in this country and what do you do with it you use it to simply indulge in things that will lead to your own destruction and i say that because i I just looked at some of the distressing polls uh that have been taken recently about what americans think and for example 65 percent of americans think that abortion should be legalized nationally in other words not decided by the states that's what the supreme court ruled that it's up to the states to decide what they want and right away there was about 15 states that outlawed abortion or restricted it significantly no there's 65 percent of the population say there should be a federal law making it legal and requiring the states to submit to abortion and, and provide abortions and you don't understand that's that's changing our whole constitutional system of government by transferring power from the states to the uh to the federal government and that's where we begin to lose our ability to control our own destinies. 63% of Americans want more stimulus spending. <laughs> and they don't realize that what they're doing is they're borrowing money. They're creating greater and greater debt. So here we are at $31 trillion in debt. Uh, that's going to basically bankrupt us. When we get done paying it off, we'll have to pay $450 trillion in debt payments. It's going to bankrupt the country. It's just impossible. And there's 83% of millennials want their student loans forgiven. And what they don't realize is where those student loan money come from. Those are monies that are, are borrowed by uh, lending institutions from people's retirement accounts. And 50% of the American population don't think that Biden's responsible for the inflation, even though it's his government that has spent money uh, like like there's no tomorrow. I think of the quote by Winston Churchill who said, the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. And I think it, it's amazing to me that how many people in this country who will vote have no idea what is going on. They don't pay any attention to it. And I think that explains why we see a lot of the people who 
you know, end up getting elected. I think about, again, Joe Biden or, or, or a guy like Fetterman or even in my own state, Patty Murray, which is not the brightest bulb in the package. Uh, and uh, basically, these are people who are just simply placeholders. They will do what they're told to do by those who are in power. And in exchange, they'll give them all the perks that come with being in these positions of power. But at the same time, we have to understand that God just doesn't wink. As I read earlier from Jeremiah, he says, you know, God will is going to judge this. God is going to hold us accountable for our sins. In fact, when you talk about economic instability, I was reading an article in, in Foreign Affairs magazine, uh, and, and basically this, this was a quote that I clipped out. It said, the world may be experiencing major structural and secular changes that will outlast the current business cycle. Three new trends in particular hint at such a transformation and are likely to play an important role in shaking economic overcome outcomes over the next few years. The shift from insufficient demand to insufficient supply as a major multi-year drag on growth, the end of boundless liquidity from central banks, and the increasing fragility of the financial markets. In other words, what he's saying is that productivity is dropping off. We think about right now that people in China are lining up outside of factories, pharmaceutical factories, because they can't get enough drugs. You don't think that's not going to trickle down and have an effect upon us? If the Chinese people can't get enough of their medications, what's going to happen here when we're dependent upon most of our antibiotics and painkillers and other things from China? And if they can't supply their own markets, where is that going to leave us? So he says, basically, you're going to find insufficient supplies, which causes the price to go up because people will be willing to pay more to get what limited supply there is. Then he says, secondly, he said it's going to be a multi-year problem that's going to be a drag on growth. Uh, the the central banks are going to stop having money because the government is borrowing so much money. The banks can't access money in order to finance the expansion of business. Business. And so business is going to go through a contraction. And then you're going to find the financial markets themselves are going to become increasingly fragile because they don't know what's coming next. Uh, the fact that they can't predict what the markets are going to do makes them unwilling to take risks. I've talked to some financial people and they just say, we have no idea what's going on. I mean, these people who make their living working within that arena, they say, we have no idea what the Fed is doing or where they're going. One gentleman said, I'm investing my money in the Canadian bank because I don't trust what's happening in the Americas. So what can I say? Lamentations one one five though says that the source of all of the grief that that probably is coming is from the Lord. He says the Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. That was what he said. Judah was destroyed because of her many sins. And we need to understand that God doesn't simply look at a country like America, who He has shown so much grace and so much goodness and so much prosperity, and just ignore it. I mean, we've had the capacity to repent, even of things like slavery and racism it, that came at such a great cost, but we were able to begin to work away from it and repent and recognize how evil that was. And now we find ourselves going right back into it.